Welcome to EANCAST, your weekly source for education, research, and updates from the European Academy of Neurology. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our weekly EAN podcast. My name is Barbara Tettenborn. I am the Editor-in-Chief of eLearning, and beside that, the Head of Department of Neurology in St. Gallen, Switzerland. And on my side for today's podcast is Professor Thomas Berger, who is the chair of the scientific committee of the EAN. And since 2018, Professor Berger is professor of neurology and chair of the Department of Neurology and the Comprehensive Center for Clinical Neurosciences and Mental Health at the Medical University of Vienna in Austria. Professor Berger is also past president of the Austrian Society of Neurology and chaired the local organizing committee for the seventh EAN Congress. Hello and very welcome, Thomas. Hi, Barbara. Very nice to be with you here. Our EAN cast today is about the EAN strategic research agenda and its importance for brain health. So why is there a need of an EAN-specific strategic research agenda? That's a very good and important question, and it's a little bit of multi-level reasons. Let's say... uh, It stretches uh, on the one end from the, I think, enormous burden of neurological disorders, specifically in Europe, because we're talking about Europe right now. The lack of awareness about this, not only within the neurological community, but of course beyond, especially towards any important stakeholders, including health policies or health policy makers. And on the other hand, uh, the momentum of a, let's say, a several historic uh, developments, including the implementation of the intersectoral global action plan, which was set up by the WHO last year in May. And having these two, let's say, important uh, views, it is also recognized, and especially by us as EAN, that there is, of course, a certain underfunding of research activities in Europe, probably for several reasons, because everybody claims permanently we need more money. But I would like to also specify this probably a little bit later in detail. So I think the momentum, but also the lack of awareness, the lack of substantial funding, and I think the position of neurological disorders and neuroscience and the research in neuroscience is, I think, the demand and claim for a, a strategic research agenda for Europe. Yeah, I think that's a very important point that the awareness for all these uh, neurological diseases and also the possibilities for prevention is still very low, especially in the public and also obviously on the side of the politicians. I mean, being a neurologist myself, of course, I think that we probably all agree that the brain is one of the most important organs in our body, if not the most important organ. And almost everything else, every other other organ can be replaced by now, but not the brain. And nobody really takes care so much about the brain health. As I mentioned, being a neurologist, I'm always amazed that nobody really takes care of it more than it does at the moment. And uh, it... Considering that, I find it still a little bit annoying how little effort is made to improve the brain health in the public. So how can we get politicians to spend more money on public information regarding the necessity of taking better care of our brains? 
Yeah, I completely agree that we as neurologists, of course, we rock our babies, yes, no doubt, because this is our emotional uh, link to the speciality we are interested in. We are doing our clinical work, our research. But uh, to be honest, a, a policymaker, and I understand this from this view, is uh, probably not that interested in a kind of emotional approach to the topic. So they need facts. And I think the facts are the important and also scientific important situation. And uh, I think we have in the past not really extremely well data on the various aspects of brain health, of neurological diseases, of burden and costs of diseases. But we are on the best way of establishing this fundamental facts which are, I think, the best argument. So one of the arguments, and you know this uh, publications from Günther Deutschel, for example, a couple of years ago, which was, I think, um, still not really reflected in the public in its domains and in its dimension, that uh, one third of the population in Europe, but probably also worldwide, will suffer from a neurological complaint over lifespan which is, of course, also uh, not only a fact that uh, people are um, affected by a symptom or any complaints. It also means that, for example, the quality of life or the disability-adjusted life years uh, for neurological disorders is among the highest in Europe in the world. And the consequences, this part from the disability-adjusted life years reduction and also leads, of course, to the numbers of deaths. So everybody is always talking about non-communicable diseases like, you know, uh, oncology, diabetes, metabolic disorders. But the really demanding and enormously burden uh, is neurological disorders. And this is something we need to really substantiate with facts, with data, and also, of course, then take the possibility to raise the awareness not only by uh, health politicians and uh, stakeholders in the, the European community, but also among us, our community, because I'm not really convinced that every neurologist in Europe really knows the dimension of their own rocked baby. Yeah, yeah I think you're completely right. Uh, and if even the neurologists don't know, how should all the other doctors know and how should the public know that? I mean, I even use it in discussions with the administrative people. If I need something, then I tell them they're usually kind of in the range of elderly uh, ones. And then I tell them earlier or later, there's a very high likelihood that you will become one of my patients. So be careful how you treat the chief of neurology. And, uh, I think that's really true. I mean, I make it a little bit in a funny way, but uh, even they, I mean, they are the uppermost administrative people in the hospital and they are not aware of the fact that they have a very high likelihood that within their remaining time span, they will need a neurologist. Almost everybody will finally, earlier or later, need a neurologist. And there's so much we know already that we can do for prevention of neurological diseases. So what does the research agenda include regarding prevention? You know, I, uh, you're completely right. I think uh, and you and I and a lot of our colleagues will uh, definitely agree that neurology has changed from a more descriptive or even diagnostic speciality 
to a therapeutic speciality. So this is really a gain and advantage over the past decades. But now we have to also step into prevention. And probably the prevention is even more attractive to the public rather than the treatment of a disease. And uh, my personal experience with, for example, health politicians is that they want to do something for their population. They want to provide, I think, you know, some visions and also some uh, possibilities of a healthier life, etc. So prevention, I think, gets more and more important. And we all know that there are certain, especially big topics in neurology, have or harbor a certain, let's say, amount of prevention. You know, the, the very easy one is the, is the stroke, of course, by taking care of risk factors. But we also know that we can up to 30% prevent the development of dementia. So, but if we then, apart from our inside knowledge, want to provide this information to a public scenery, then we start lacking um, really systematic approaches. On the one hand, the data. On the other hand, also the research agendas. So I think uh, we need to, of course, also focus on our treatment of neurological disorders. And there's a lot of things still to do, no doubt. But we need to focus also on prevention. And this includes also research activities in prevention. We need to substantiate our claim and our aim also by research activities. So I think, therefore, for whatever agenda, is it a research agenda or also an overarching topic like brain health, we need to provide the landscape for research in terms also of prevention. I think it's a, that's a very important point, and I hope uh, in the next couple of years uh, we will see results. I looked up uh, at uh, PubMed, uh, how much literature was lately published on prevention of neurological disorders and uh, brain health, and at, fortunately enough, it increased enormously within the last couple of years. So up to 2015, there was almost nothing, and since then, it's steadily rising. So I think we are on a good way. Of course, there's always a place for improvement and everything and also there, but uh, we are already on a good way. So what, what are your actual plans? I, I think you plan something for the next conference, for Budapest, and what are the real plans for the next couple of months and the near future? I think the plans are, and uh, we have to, of course, think in terms of the European Academy of Neurology And it was specifically the past president, Claudio Bassetti, but also the current president, Paul Boone, who have really started strategically to form and condense this claim or this urge into uh, a true systematic strategy. So on the one hand, I guess that it's really highly important to define what is really the priority of what we are claiming, because You know, apart from a general claim, there is a need for more awareness for neurological disorders. We need to spend more money for research in therapy, in prevention of neurological disorders. This is a kind of very general aspect of claim. And this also frightens people, of course, especially the public, because they have to do everything at every uh, neurological topic. So I think it's very important that strategy is also linked with prioritization. 
And the prioritization is something I don't want to say that, you know, a rare neurological disorder is not relevant to be prioritized, no doubt. But it is also important to really uh, come away from research activities by chance. And I think one very important point is the epidemiology, which means the prevalence of the neurological disorders and also what we expect to be important in the next years. And then you have an option to prioritize the claim. And this, uh, I think, is something which is inherent and important to a strategy, because otherwise it's just a position and opinion paper. And if we really want to provide for the EAN a strategy, then uh, what Paul Boone has started right now over the past months, and as you said, you mentioned uh, Budapest this year, I guess that we will have the first preliminary results from this, let's say, paper, white paper or agenda paper on the strategic research agenda uh, available at this time point. That sounds great. That's not a long time to go anymore until Budapest. Uh, So I think there's probably a lot of work until then to do. Do you include the patient perspectives within the strategic agenda? Very important point you're raising. And I think, you know, not only because there was the call or the the context of the intersectoral global action plan from the WHO, which definitely has the patient in its focus. So everything, and this is the, the reason why it's termed intersectoral, because the patient is in the focus and everything is built around the patient. And I think this is something which also in research matters, definitely matters, because Nowadays, or let's say the majority of research activities or also interests are coming from the researcher. And of course, it's not bad, no doubt, because this has worked over the past decades or even centuries in this way. But I think if we want to prioritize, we also need the demand and the need of the patient. And this has something to do with the prevalence of the disease, with the gaps which are there, with the substantiation and the support by research data and outcomes, which are focused around the patient. So definitely the research agenda from EAN will also include the patient view and participation. And I think in the meanwhile, there is no really, let's say, honest research activity ongoing without including a patient representative or a patient organization, because this is democratic, this is transparent, and this is inclusive. And I think this is something, and it also allows a diverse view on different aspects. And at the end of the day, it's not an academic exercise to perform research. We should have a kind of outcome which changes in a certain way, our clinical performance, our healthcare management, and the healthcare management circles around the patient. So we need from the very beginning the patient view, participation, and also comments on that. We know from other diseases like cancer and heart disease 
that women are usually much more keen on preventive measurements uh, than men are, or they take it better and uh, they perform better in really doing preventive measurements. Do we have any information already or do you have any idea if there is a gender difference in the uh, goal of prevention of neurological diseases as well? No, I think uh, the, the missing link between the, the examples you mentioned is, I think, or the denominator, let's say it this way, the denominator is the risk factor control. And uh, I guess this is the same in neurological disorders, that uh, women are much more keen and also probably obliged from an individual point to take more attention in controlling specific risk factors. So I would not wonder if we have exactly the same, also various gender approaches in these preventive activities. I know that you know, but probably also our auditorium may know that um, EAN has a very strong um, coordinating panel on diversity, inclusion, and equity. And uh, this is, of course, not only a matter of gender, it's also racial, ethnicity, etc., etc. So I think this is a very important aspect because, on the other hand, we also need to avoid to be a, you know, a first-class of research activity or just uh, providing it to a certain group of people or a certain population in Europe. It should be, as I said, and this is for me also one of the major reasons why I engaged in the European Academy of Neurology, because it offers the possibility to develop plans, strategic agendas, which are democratic, diverse, inclusive and transparent. And I think that's our really major uh, goal. And with that, we also can convince the public. That's almost a perfect final sentence you just said. <laughs> and it was including almost everything. Do you have anything to add? I mean, I, I think we had a very nice talk about uh, the upcoming strategic events regarding brain health and uh, the Treatments are becoming more expensive all the time. We know that prevention of some of the neurological diseases might be really cheap. People can take care of better food, more movement, more physical activity, better sleep, more sleep or enough sleep. And there are actually simple things we can do. And we have to prove it, as you said, by research uh, studies and results uh, that these are actually efficient in the long run. And then we might save a lot of money for therapies if we can prevent up to 30, 40% of some of the neurological diseases. And as you said in your perfect sentence, this is our real goal. And this is the, the one really nice point about, uh, one of the many nice points about uh, EAN that we take care of a better life for all of us and a better brain health. I think, uh, as you said, uh, and you asked me what would be a kind of wrap-up in this context, I think uh, the most important point is we have to be, because we are academically trained, especially myself and you, of course, so I think we have to be in the core, very systematic, emotionless, very uh, hardcore scientific. But in our message, we have to be very flat and lean. You know, it needs to be 
not an academic discussion. We need to really convince and also convince everybody. And there's one, I think, in the context of brain health, a very simple phrase, and it says there is no health without brain health. And I think that's the really core message. And this also means, because then you can discuss an hour about brain health, it does not mean brain health is just the absence of a neurological disorder. It's not only the prevention of a risk group of getting a neurological disorders, including our uh, maturing politicians, of course. It also means that a, a healthy brain enables us for a well-being individually and for the work, for the performance and the well-being of a society. It enables us to performance, to whatever. So I think it's a really good mantra and message we could deliver. There is no health without brain health. And it starts already interuterine because the lifestyle of the mother is important for the baby already. And it does not end up with the maturation stop or developmental stop. It goes up to our last, let's say, breath at 80, 90 or nearly 100. So it's over our lifespan. Thank you very much, Thomas. That was a very interesting talk. It was nice having you here and see you soon. Thank you, Barbara. It was a pleasure talking about this topic and it will be hopefully not the last time. I guess not. Thank you. This has been EA Yangcast Weekly Neurology. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred podcatcher for weekly updates from the European Academy of Neurology. You can also listen to this and all of our previous episodes on the EAN campus to gain points and become an EAN expert in any of our 29 neurological specialties. Simply become an EAN individual member to gain access. For more information, visit ean.org membership. That's ean.org backslash membership. Thanks for listening. EANcast Weekly Neurology is your unbiased and independent source for educational and research-related neurological content. Although all content is provided by experts in their field, it should not be considered official medical advice.